Look at my butt. Show number 287 of Look at His Butt. LT and JK still talking track. Fans, welcome to Showapalooza. <laughs> we have two buttloads of stuff to get through today. Yes, we do. And so now that we've greeted you, we're going to dive right in and we are going to bang, 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 do some very short news items. And then we're going to get into some pretty meaty stuff. We will. And first of all, though, we have to remind everybody that it is March and it's the month of Chatmoy. Oh, God, and... I didn't even. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Yes. Uh... Start your preparations. Get the get the um, the decorations out of the closet. Yeah, get your viewing schedule lined up for the the two days, uh, the twenty second and the twenty sixth. Bill's birthday and Leonard's birthday. And get um, order your cake. Yeah, and Bill <laughs> is going to be ninety years old. Can this you believe year. that? Oh, oh my, my God. God, it's incredible. He doesn't look a day over sixty. He really does. <laughs> I know. How does he do it? Okay. Well, speaking of William Shatner, who we are. Speaking of. We, we are, because we talk about him constantly. Here's some news. Um, he's going to do another Galaxy Con. We'd mentioned, I think, on previous shows that he wasn't, because I think he was filming, actually. He was doing Unexplained and some other stuff, mm-hmm. so he didn't have time. So he's doing it on March 27th, which is just at the end of the Shatmoy holiday. Right, so he will have turned 90 by He then. will. It will be a Saturday, and it will be at 12 p.m. Eastern, which unfortunately is the earlier time for us West Coasters at 9 a.m., which is not that fun, but that's okay. Uh, It's always a good time with him. It's just him this time. I don't see that he's doing it with anybody else except for the host. And so it will be the usual him answering questions, talking about what's happening probably talking about his 90th birthday and various other things that mm-hmm. he's going to go. So we'll put the link in the notes and you should all sign up for it because it is always a good time. Yes, it's always fun just to, you know, hear Bill's latest new thing that is incredible, you know, so mm-hmm. that's good, good. That he's interested in. And of course, it's free. We should yes, mention that. Yes, Okay. okay. Next. Next. Okay, this is about the upcoming Star Trek movie and we know we've had, what, eight or twelve upcoming Star Trek movies, (laughs) but the latest one, and we don't know if this has anything to do with all the other upcomings, but this one is, right now, is being written by a woman. Yay! And her name is Kalinda, (laughs) named after the character. Yes, incredible. uh, Vasquez, I'm assuming named after the rocks. (laughs) And, uh... And it says, this could also be the first movie to unite the TV and film franchises in a very long time. She has written for Discovery. Yeah. And in one of the other articles, it it does not appear to be here in this one, but she wrote, or at least was one of the writers on the the two-parter for Giorgio going back in time and with the Carl the Wizard. So um, we'll keep. We'll keep you posted about that, but my hope is, oh, woman writer, wow, it might be about, like, characters instead of mm-hmm. things blowing up. There might be some problem solving and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I am very excited to yeah. have someone, and especially someone from the TV Trek stuff, so mm-hmm. they're more, like, they're steeped in Trek, right? Because right. They're, they're not outsiders coming in saying, I would like to make Star Trek into a different mm-hmm. franchise that has nothing to do with Star Trek. So so we don't know if this is, is this going to be a discovery film 
is it going to be a TOS film? And it's supposedly not set in the J.J. universe. Mm-hmm. So are they going to use Chris Pine and Zachary? And we Don't do not know. know. Uh, we have no hints of what her Trek movie concept is. Yep. It's very exciting. And as they seem to be doing, I think they're really transforming Trek in interesting and cool ways Mm -hmm. and taking advantage of all the things that are now available to them rather than just TV series, live action TV series and movies. And I am excited to see where this is going to go. Yep. Okay, bang! Next news. Here's the next one. So, our friends at the San Francisco Oasis, where we have spent uh, many an hour, both in person and online, watching the Drag Kings do Star Trek episodes, are hosting this very weekend a telethon in order to stay open, because of course they haven't been able to do live performances due to the pandemic, and they have to pay rent, and they have to keep going as an organization I was so happy to see that they'd set a goal originally of a hundred thousand dollars and they blew past that and today when I checked they were up to two hundred and fifty thousand dollars that is so great it's just so great and so if you have watched any of the stuff that we've talked about the Star Trek episodes or any of the other things that they've done Mm because they've done lots of other tv drag performances Mm -hmm. which are also great you know just kick them a little money if you can afford to do it because it would be terrible if they closed it's such a san francisco icon i think Mm -hmm. of what the city can offer in terms of entertainment you're like where else are they going to have a club like that right right and i think the article you sent me was pointing out that so many of the gay venues have already closed permanently and one that closed permanently was i forget the name of it but it's the earliest one it's been in business i don't know for 100 years or so that's the end you know so yeah we want we want a place to go and be among crowds and drink and see lee crow yes inhabit or see captain kirk (laughs) inhabit lee crow that's exactly right the best kirk impersonator of all the kirk of all kirks yeah Kirk so, the thing yes yeah <laughs> she's so good so i was just happy to see that they you know i'm sure it must have been a tough decision to say we need to go out and ask people for money but i'm glad they did and that so oh, many people yeah. stepped up immediately yeah yeah so yeah if you can send them a little something by all means do it and many many of their shows if you go to their website they're posted right yes. there the ones we've yeah. seen live, you mm-hmm. can watch them and see the little gumdrops for buttons and things oh, like that. So so good, yes. yes. Oasis TV on YouTube. Go okay. and watch. It's Alrighty. free. Alrighty. Okay. Yeah. Next. Okay. Next. This one's going to be very short. New rumor. So we. I don't know why we even talk about it, is that the next Star Trek film will be a horror film. And that is an idea so bad, it should immediately right now be smothered in its cradle and never mentioned again. End of that rumor. That's it. I don't like I don't like that at <laughs> no. all. And here's the thing. This is an article in Giant Robot, or Giant Freaking Robot, yes. as it's now called. And the article just says, Insider Daniel Richtman, who is this guy? I've never heard about him. Oh, He's saying, I haven't heard of 90% of the people who end up in the news, yeah. now, especially from entertainment. Okay. He says that future projects are definitely going to start exploring the horror side of space. And I just don't know, like... Uh, who he is and why we should care about what he has to say, right? How is he an insider? Is he connected with 
any of the TV stuff? Is he working on a script? Like, what? I don't know. There's but no attribution. Okay, the 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 baby steps into horror that Truck has taken before are so bad that this will have to be camp. That's all I can say. Because there's <laughs> um, the horrible Halloween episode. Yeah, that's very bad. And then there's that one where um, Dr. Crusher's sleeping with a ghost. Yep. Also not a great episode uh, in some ways. In other ways, hilarious and yeah. great. <laughs> <laughs> yes, let us not discount the hilarity. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like even in um, Discovery, they did a little bit of that with, with um, oh, God. Um, so when they go in the very last episodes to the ship that was in the nebula. Right. And it had sort of the... Um, emotion creature that was zipping around uh-huh. and looked pretty fucking scary, you well, know? Well, yeah, like... but when they say horror now, they mean lots of blood and, oh. and slashing and not in the fanfic way, you know, knives and, um, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. They don't mean a scary ghost, because now the oh. ghosts all have knives. Yeah, that's and... true, that's true. I reject that. I don't want any of that. No, thanks. I, I don't want that either. Okay. Okay. Here's something good, though. So this was just posted the other day by our good friends at uh, the Star Trek tour in Ticonderoga. So William Shatner returns! Exclamation point. The wait is over! (laughs) Six exclamation points. Join us. Really. uh, Join us to celebrate William Shatner's 90th birthday. On July 23rd, not his birthday, Mr. Shatner will be visiting the amazing Star Trek tour set recreation. It is a two-day event. The schedule will be posted soon. And here are the ticket prices. So I will start from the ground up. Um, so you have to get in, obviously, and that costs 50 bucks to, to be there while Bill is there. If you want an autograph, it's another 80 bucks. If you want a picture with Bill, it's 160 bucks. If you want a tour, an a la carte tour with Mr. Shatner, that's $500. And then, if you want the VIP all-inclusive package, which includes a birthday dinner celebration, a tour with Mr. Shatner, a bridge chat, a photo, and an autograph, it is $1,500. Uh, I don't think I'm going to be springing for that. <laughs> uh, it looks like they're going to add a few more events as well, like you could just go to the birthday dinner, or you could get a limited access tour or a talk with Bill. And, of course, the tickets are extremely limited. So mm-hmm. nice that he's going back there. Although, I don't know, man, July seems a little early, given how slowly they're rolling out vaccinations across the country. I well, think he'd want to wait a little longer. Uh, well, Bill may want to wait a little longer. The people who run this thing are going, we got to bring some money in. Yeah, like this soon. is true. Um, the only things that I would want to do, really, would be the tour with Bill. Mm-hmm. And uh, because I think that could be very hilarious, and uh, the bridge chat, because yeah. it doesn't even say Bill's going to be at the birthday dinner. It does not. Although you'd hope he would. Well, I, I yeah, mean... but are you going to kick in an extra whatever it is, five hundred, <laughs> to make sure you know you're there? And one of is the things gonna... I notice is if you read it down in the article, they have finally sort of like partnered with, I don't know, city council or whatever, to find hotels where people can stay. (laughs) But are they Star Trek-themed hotels? This is the question. (laughs) They probably are not. 
But okay. you know, well, that's probably better. One of the times that um, my friends and I went to the Stratford Festival up in Canada. Um, during the season, which, you know, was the summer, so many people, they were doing like Airbnbs, but it wasn't online. They had signs in front of their house, bedroom, you know, two bedrooms available oh. this much. And they were, you know, taking in visitors, giving them some breakfast, sure. throwing them out right after breakfast <laughs> and, you know, making a little ka So I would uh, think maybe some people up there in Ticonderoga might be doing the same thing. Yeah, they might. It's true. I don't. I've never been to Ticonderoga. Oh, I don't neither. know what it's what it's like where this is. You know, I tell is, you, is it like in an industrial park? I don't know. <laughs> I will tell you one thing. I would never go there in the winter. Oh no, it would be horrible. Oh. It'd be like Buffalo or Syracuse. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. No, no thanks. That's okay. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know unless we start a go fund a, a go fund us right now. <laughs> I don't think we're going to make it to that. <laughs> Okay, that's pretty good. 13 minutes, we did bang, 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 five items of news. Okay, what are we doing next? Woo! Yay us! Okay, let me go look at the list. Um, well, we, we I'll tease it a little. We have some Etsy stuff coming up later on, mm -hmm. which will be amusing, because we haven't looked at Etsy in a while. Oh, I and, know. Uh, I, I found some pretty good things there. Let's talk about that Vox article, because okay. I felt... I felt it pretty strongly, and I, I think it's it's good. It's very yes. good. Um, this was an article that caught my eye because I had never, ever seen a headline like this. The delicate relationship between grief and fan fiction mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. explained by a psychologist. And I mean, it was like the gumball machine of my mind went <laughs> boing, because... Thinking back to, you know, my own fanfic years, when that started, that was like within a year of when my friend Joey, who was my soulmate, mm -hmm. uh, died. And I've often wondered, was fanfic either my distraction or my way of um, filling that place in my heart mm -hmm. or, you know... What was it? And mm -hmm. so this this is a, a very interesting article. It is um, it says fandom offers many fans a crucial respite from the pandemic. And that's true, but it's complicated. Now the article is written by Aha or Aja Romano. Oh, it's Asia. Her, Asia. Her name is Asia. Asia yes. Romano, and. Uh, she starts out by saying she was dealing with the death of a close family member, and suddenly she found herself unable to stop watching Supernatural. And I was like the same way. I thought I picked up a fanfic, and that was it. I was off and running. The um, interview, uh, so it's an interview mostly. Right. There's some essay in it, and the person that she talks to is a psychology professor. And I think it's, so if anybody out there is interested in fanfic, I, I would definitely read this because mm -hmm. there's some pretty good insights. And she talks, as the article says, specifically about the relationship between immersing yourself in fanfic and things like grief. And I think many psychologists have said that this past pandemic year, I mean, it's a whole fucking year at this mm -hmm. point. There is grief of so many types, right? right? Like we're literally grieving for people who have died, but also the loss of human contact 
and all of the things that we haven't been able to do and just being able to see your friends and talk to them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And, and, and what, what we know is not coming back. Yeah. You know, yeah. that even when we can go out, the whole, you know, going to the theater, going to live entertainment, that's mm-hmm. going to change substantially. Yeah, everything is changed. And so we're grieving our way of life and the way we used to do things, you know, for good or worse, because Mm -hmm. there are some things we're probably saying goodbye to that would, you know, like, that's fine. We don't need to do (laughs) those things anymore. Uh, But it's, it's a, like, she expresses it as fanfic can be a safe place where you can go and explore things without really having to worry about the way the real world impinges on it mm-hmm. it's, it's just it's this other space and I agree like the time when I was really getting into fanfic there was a lot of upheaval in my life um, nobody had had passed away but it was definitely a period where my real life was so stressful and full of so much stuff that I was barely able to deal with that when I got to to dip into fanfic to read it or to write it or just to experience it, it was like this whole other world where I could just relax and enjoy stuff and read things that were comforting or funny Mm -hmm. or just didn't have anything to do. Right now, I am very much feeling this parallel with the fact that Star Trek is on TV every night. I watch it a lot. Yes! And it's because it's Star Trek and I've seen every episode and I know what's going to happen. And it's just like, I go, oh, eight o'clock. Oh, Star Trek's on. I'm going to watch it and go, oh, it's comforting. It's so comforting. It's Mm. like this thing, this unchanging thing that I can glom onto in the middle of so much uncertainty. Yeah. Um, Yeah. She talks about how fanfic, even if you've never read fanfic, but... Whatever you're a big fan of, you know, Harry Potter, Supernatural, Star Trek, whatever. If you dip into the fanfic, there's this immediate sense of familiarity. Yeah. And, you know, we just, we need that so badly right now. Yeah. Because right now the things I'm mainly familiar with are uh, the inside of my apartment. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And the the few little blocks that surround it. Mm -hmm. You know, and I was thinking, gosh, wouldn't it be fun to go up to Macy's and the big Macy's clothes the one on oh, wow. um, uh, wow. Michigan Avenue uh-huh. uh, that's huge that was their their flagship but you know and I'm thinking I can't I can't go up there mm-hmm. I can't risk that yeah I I can't do anything yeah <laughs> um, one thing that that I had thought been thinking about in terms of fanfic and I think it's mentioned in this article but I'd seen it in another place as well is that the the thing about fanfic that makes it different from reading a book is that you don't have a one-to-one relationship with the author of a book, typically, mm-hmm. right? You read a book, and you might read interviews with the person who wrote it, or, you know, you might see them on Twitter or something, but you can't interact with them the way you can with people who write fanfic. Mm-hmm. You know, you can literally read a piece of great fanfic and leave them a comment on it, and now you're internet friends. Yes. Right? And sometimes like, you become real life friends. And you become real life friends. And also, there's a community of people mm-hmm. that you've instantly entered into who are also fans of that person's fanfic or that fanfic genre in general. That, I mean, that's how it happened for us, right? It yeah. was just like, oh, suddenly we have this this group this peer group Uh and we all really dig the same thing. And it was just like finding these ready-made friends. And that's not what happens with books. Generally, 
you don't find that same interactive community. There may be a community of people Mm -hmm. who are fans of the book, but they're not creating around the book and interacting and morphing and and taking Mm -hmm. other people's ideas the way it is with a fanfic community. And that's, I think, unique and really fulfilling in a lot of ways. Yep. In, in ways that regular literature consumption is not. Well, and she points out, too, that fanfic is not uh, written for money, and mm-hmm. it's not written according to any publisher's rules right. or yeah. um, or any, um, you know, the TV series might have rules that their writers write to. We don't have to. We can explore anything, and we write fanfic, I believe, for ourselves. Mm-hmm. But if you're mm-hmm. in a, a fanfic, of a, a certain size, there are other people out there who are going to go, oh, my God, this is the story I've been waiting for. I didn't know it, but I was. You know, we're all we're all in that together, having fun, entertaining each other, um, exploring all these ideas without, and, oh, I got to go so I can send this off to the publisher and start making thousands. You know, that's, that's not, that's not that world. Yeah. And during a pandemic, when we're just familiar with our own four walls, etc., it just seems like a great place to go hang out. Um, you know, I have noticed that the the media that the newer media that I've been consuming lately, and I'm thinking specifically of this show on Disney Plus called WandaVision, which is the newest installment of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay, Stop. see, I've been hearing about it, but I know it's on Disney Plus, which I don't have, so I haven't, you know, even been following the news about it. Right. So take um, it away. Uh, so WandaVision was, for me, probably the best thing on television in the last month or so. It was, mm-hmm. you know, only nine episodes. It was so good, and it felt like fan fiction to me. It felt like exactly the sort of thing you would write if you were a fan of the Marvel Universe and these characters who were in it, because... It had the overlay of people fighting each other in the sky and pew pew and lasers Mm -hmm. coming out people's eyes and stuff like that. But at its heart, it was about the relationship between the characters, the love story, and sort of coming to terms with grief, which I think is in a lot of fan fiction Mm -hmm. that you've written, I know, and that other people have, and some of what I've written as well. It's like trying to understand what's happening inside of you in in a place. And the end, which I'm not going to spoil, was extremely satisfying. It was not uh, like an engineered ending where there were mysterious people who came in at the last minute and it were cliffhangers and things unsolved and blah, blah, blah. It was a very simple ending to the story that very much tracked with everything that had happened there. Mm-hmm. Like if you had started at the beginning, knowing what you know, you'd look at the end and go, yep, that's pretty much the way it had to end. Wow. There was no other way that it could have ended. And it was just so good and, and so fanficy, And I think that's why people glommed onto it. They mm-hmm. were just like, oh, this is good. Like, this is what media can be mm-hmm. when we're not thinking so much about, like you were saying, the restrictions. It has to be this. It has to be that. We have to do, we have to obey these edicts from the powers that be. It didn't feel like that at all. Mm-hmm. So I liked it for that reason. And also it was funny, which is also well, good. Well, good. Good. Um. <laughs> You know, in reading this, that it's 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 about grief, or a lot of it. It's finding a place to put that, finding a way to deal with it, or perhaps mm-hmm. to commemorate 
a person you've lost or whatever you've lost. But I can't help thinking of this book I read ages ago. I'm not even sure what it's called. But it's one of those dystopian things uh, well before the pandemic, but where, you know, civilization, everything has been wiped out. And um, these two men, they go around, uh, you know, burying bodies, you know, wherever they are. They dig a hole, they put a body in it. And there's one line in it that has never, ever, ever left me. And that is one of the men either, no, he thinks that he's the narrator. And he's, he thinks, it was so beautiful the world we were burying. Hmm. And in a way, going into these fictional worlds that are very real to us and very important is a way of taking a break from the world, as we just said, in many ways, is not going to have a reset button. Mm -hmm. Some of it is going to be buried. Yeah, yeah. Fanfic is... A, a, at least initially for most of us, it's a, a safe place. And that's why I really felt some sympathy for the uh, the fans of the Harry Potter when this whole thing came up with yeah. J.K. being anti-Semitic and everything. I thought, well, of course, that's shattering. Mm -hmm. You know, that... I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are still dealing with that. How, how the hell do I do that? How do I read this to my kids, you know? And yeah. how do I put money in this woman's pocket? I mean... It's shattering. If that has been your respite from just being overwhelmed or having too much on your agenda, that's really hard when that's taken away or, yeah. or, 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 or sullied in some way. Yeah. I know we've said this before about fanfic, but it, as you were just saying, it feels especially important now that mm -hmm. fanfic is a world where nothing has to end. Right. 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 It goes on forever, and even though the movie tv series end and movies end and there are character arcs that are completed it doesn't have to be that way yep you can just write whatever you want to and make it go on forever and and enjoy it till you die basically right. yeah and, and i like that i like that a lot i think too you know for me it's it was tos for you it was tos and yes that was and is the series I'm most familiar with, but it's also the series that was on at a time when my life was simpler. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so yes. that's that's a good place to go. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And it sounds weird to say it, but I, for me anyway, and for the reasons you just said, because we grew up or, or watched TOS as younger people and then later on, Watching TOS for me is so immersive. Mm -hmm. It really is. When I am watching it, when I'm really watching it and not like looking at Twitter on my phone or something, I am, I am in it. Oh, I yes. am really and truly in it in a way that I'm not with a lot of other shows or movies mm -hmm. where I'm like I'm, I'm aware that I am watching a thing, but when I'm watching TOS because I have that emotional connection to it, I'm just. I'm there. Yep. I'm on the bridge. I'm doing it. I'm, I'm yep. watching what's happening. You're, the, I love you're it. the one with her back to the camera working some <laughs> control, you know? Yeah, yeah. And I love that feeling. And that feeling has been so good to have every night at 8 o'clock mm -hmm. while the rest of the world is going crazy. So uh, it, it's all it's all emotion stuff that's tied up. And grief is definitely a part of it. And this has been, for me, extremely comforting. And for other people, too, I think. Yep. It, it, just an outstanding interview 
And if yeah. you've been involved in fanfic, I mean, they're talking about fanfic like written, you know, like what we did. But, you know, there's people doing, you know, fan films and, you know, building uh, models of starships yeah. and, and stuff like that. You know, whatever it is that, that lets you set other stuff aside and just be in your own little world is so good right now. Yes, we all need it. Now, before we take our break, mm-hmm. I have a I have a question for you, um, and it's about Star Trek, okay. which is a good show. So, as part of me watching Star Trek a lot, I watched City on the Edge of Forever, which was on recently. Okay, which is it is a good episode. I, I still am not sure that it's the best episode, but it is a really good episode. Uh-huh. The the writing is good, the acting is good. It's a good it's a well constructed plot, but. The beginning of that episode has one of the dumbest things in it that if it didn't happen, the plot wouldn't happen. And I'm annoyed that the writers did not take the time or whatever. I mean, I know Harlan Ellison and all that stuff to fix this thing because it always bothers me. And it bothered me even more when I watched it this time because it's so dumb. So <laughs> okay. It, it's just, it's it's an idiot plot, right? Okay. It's like, well, this plot wouldn't work unless people were idiots. So McCoy's on the bridge. He comes up there. He's grumping around. He has to give Sulu a shot of something or other because his heart stopped. I forget. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And then and then everything shakes and he accidentally injects himself with this stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And he's there and he's sort of, uh, you know, doesn't look good. And then he freaks out. And then suddenly he manages to get to the, the elevator and get off the bridge. And then immediately goes to the transporter room where he transports down to the planet. And there's like five minutes in there while this is all happening. Mm-hmm. Why, why is it not possible for Captain Kirk, who's in charge of everything, to say, turn all the transporters off? Well, Just you know don't. what? Like, don't... Unless they take like an hour to rev up, I would think they'd be <laughs> off 90% of the time. Well, exactly. <laughs> why Why is there not like, put the deflector shield up, right? They can't transport while the deflector shields are up, right? We, we've established that in uh-huh. TOS. Why doesn't he just say, listen, lock the doors to the transporter yeah, room. Contain, don't let them contain open. Contain this to the ship. Yeah. But why would you, well, I'm, I'm going to, you know, argue for Kirk here. Okay, okay. Um, what's the episode where something like this, something bad, that could have very bad repercussions happens, where, where Kirk says, okay, shut everything down, lock all the doors. There isn't one. No. Because, okay, again, it's to get the plot moving. It's your MacGuffin. <laughs> but also, is... I don't know, he's a good captain, so maybe it should be. But I, my first thought wouldn't be, make sure it doesn't get outside the ship. Yeah, but still, it, it seems I mean, why like don't they they're... close the vents when they're chasing the cloud <laughs> vampire? Vents, always vents. It's always um, vents. <laughs> but, but it just seems like... There should be a procedure yeah. where you have some guy who's out of his mind and he's running around the ship like security protocol. Right. Lock the doors to the important places so that this poor person doesn't get themselves into trouble or transport themselves out into space, you know, and then they, they, they've killed themselves. There, It just feels like there should be something there. And I know that it was a plot device and they needed it to happen, yeah. but it always bothers me 
because it doesn't happen instantaneously. Like I would understand if the actual thing happened in the transporter room, mm -hmm. right? Like if McCoy right. and he just kind of jumped and did it, but the transporter room isn't next to the bridge. Yeah. It's going to take him a while to get down there yeah. and he's got all this time to do something anyway. Nope. You're absolutely just, right. That To me, it doesn't make, it wouldn't make sense now that I think about it for Kirk to, you know, get on the blower and, um, <laughs> and say, lock everything down. Don't let him, you know, beam out into nothing. Um, for him to get on the blower and say security, yeah, you got to find Doctor McCoy. Don't hurt him, but you know, arrest him or whatever. Take him to sick bay and tie him down in a, in a sick bed, and uh, you know, keep me informed. Yeah. That would be that to me would be a perfectly logical thing to do. Yeah, I I think he says something in there somewhere, but it seems really lame. Mm -hmm. Like. You know, oh, Dr. McCoy is running around the ship like a maniac. We probably should find him. Yes. <laughs> Rather than security protocol, please lock the doors to the important rooms. On <laughs> well, and, you know, what else does security have to do? But, you know, oh, wow, oh. look at a prisoner got out. Hooray, let's run, let's yeah. run. You know, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're right. So, um, and, I, I, it, and I thought it was like... Okay, so that that's my giant complaint. Okay. And then part two is, okay, assuming we don't want that to happen because it's bad writing, how else could Dr. McCoy have gotten down to the planet? Like, what would have been the fix for that to happen? Well, um, doesn't it start out where they're, they're um, examining these waves of space and time? Yes, yes. Okay, and they're at this planet that it's emanating from. So you're right. They could be right there in the transporter about to go down. Yeah, and um, I don't know why you'd take McCoy down with you, I, assuming he's not a lunatic then, um, <laughs> to, to do this. But maybe, well, I don't know. This probably wouldn't take any longer than the five minutes they've already, they've already used up or that they had. Was, you know, have this, that happen in sickbay while Kirk and, yes. and, and McCoy and Uhura and whoever are going down to look at this thing. And he goes running off and jumps into the transporter with them. Mm -hmm. That, yep, that could work too. I, I think there's a lot of ways that they could have gotten around it more than that. Here's the thing, though. Getting back to fanfic, you and I are fanficers. And mm -hmm. part of why we have beta readers is to have them go, Really? <laughs> Really, that's how you want it to happen? Because, honestly, in really good fic, those sort of things, like you just described, generally don't happen. But we don't yeah. have to concern ourselves with, well, this scene can't be longer than five minutes, and mm -hmm. the budget, we cannot, you know, budget uh, to get sick bay in here. You know, all kinds of concerns, like, they were saying in the article, we're not writing to be published, we're not writing to be filmed, we're writing to be entertained. But we're yep. intelligent people, too, and so we don't want to insult our own intelligence or that of our readers. Yes, this is correct. Um, and I'm sure, and I don't know this for a fact, but because they went around and around with, with Ellison about this, mm -hmm. that decision to do it may have been just oh my god, we have to find a way to get McCoy down to the planet. Here, this'll do. Yep. And 
that's as much thought as they put into it. Um, I will say that DeForest Kelly gives an amazing performance at the end of that episode Mm -hmm. when he's not on drugs anymore. He's so good. He's just delightful and and still McCoy, but also really sort of charming and sweet to Joan Collins. Yes, I love when he says, um, what is it? I'm not... I'm not going to ask, where am I? Yeah. I mean, that's just so cute. He's good. He's just really, really good. And I'm glad that they gave him that time to shine and really Mm -hmm. show who that character was. So it was good. But yeah, that beginning part, if I could just get past that, I I would enjoy it more. Darn. Well, you know what? (laughs) You're going to have to write a story. Uh, That's how you'll get it out of your system. Yeah, this is right. Okay, hey, let's take a break. We've got more stuff to talk about. Okie dokie! Space, a final frontier. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. Its five-year mission, to explore strange new worlds, to seek out new life, and new civilizations to boldly go where no man has gone before listeners we would love to hear from you send us email at look at his butt at gmail.com or look us up on facebook and leave us a comment tell us your trek news Now, yes, we're going to talk about Q. Q is my favorite character in TNG. <laughs> He's the best character in TNG. Although I have to say, knowing what I know about Jonathan Frakes now, <laughs> and watching not the first couple of seasons of TNG, but every after Riker has a beard, I have such delight in watching him play that role. Yep. You know, like the character is still kind of, you know. He is what he is, but watching him do the leg up and the sitting in the chair and the posing really tall and <laughs> all of that stuff, I it just cracks me up. And I never really noticed that stuff before. And now that I notice it, I'm like, you go, Jonathan Frakes. You're awesome. Well, you've just tied them together, Q and Jonathan Frakes, because I love when Q says, you weren't like this before the beard. <laughs> it's so funny. I love that. He's great. He's just such a fun character. So this is an article at Screen Rant, and it says 10 facts about Q that most fans don't know. And I think most fans do know, but they're good anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did not know that he was named after a woman. No, no, I didn't really know true. that either. And that's number yeah. 10. So, but yeah. he was, the woman was Janet Quarton, starts with a Q. Yes. And she was the first president of the UK Star Trek fan club. Yeah, that's Roddenberry was good friends with her, and because uh, she helped make Star Trek popular over there, yeah. and uh, so he gave her a character named yeah. Q. It's it's very weird to me now um, that whenever still when I see the letter Q in the news, yes. I think Star Trek, but it's like no, they're talking about Q and Yes. <laughs> Which is not like Q at all. Uh, this was a good point. This was number eight. 
According to directors who worked with John Delancey, the actor was professional, easy to work with, and knew his character inside and out. And I think we can all agree, starting from episode one, he was Q. It never took him any time to grow into that character or figure out what he was doing. It was it was like the Kirk thing. From the minute he stepped into it, it was like, that's it. We know who this guy is. Well, and the, the fun thing is it is the first episode. So yeah. you couldn't consult all these other episodes to find out who the other people were. Yeah. He just dominated it from was... episode one. And that, that set the template for that character, you know? Yep. And and the character did change. Mm-hmm. I don't want to say he grew, but he did change over time, <laughs> given what happened to him, and ended up in the last episode mm-hmm. pretty much like he was in the first one, which was pretty cool. Um, this was number four. John Delancey has frequently stated in interviews that he drew inspiration for Q from a quote made about Lord Byron by Lady Caroline Lamb, mm-hmm. who referred to him as mad, mad bad, bad, and, and dangerous, dangerous to, know. to know. God, I think that is like such a perfect phrase, you know? Yep. Just perfect. And honestly, when you look at the picture of the yeah. painting of uh, Lord Byron, he looks like Q. He does. He really does. He's very sensual mm-hmm. looking, you know? Um, very like well-groomed but also well-fed and he's got sort of really nice lips yes all of that um i i think it's hilarious that on the commercials on me tv for the star trek block that they have at night um when they talk about you know that they're doing commercial for tng is like captain jean-luc picard he's everything he's a starship captain he's a ladies man and they show him in bed with someone and you don't see who it is <laughs> and then later on in the commercial it's q and he turns over <laughs> and q goes morning darling i know i just love that it's so funny yeah so, so so funny i don't know how they did those scenes together without cracking up well they probably did many 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 crack ups many many crack ups yeah. this article was from may of 2020 and it says during an interview with star trek.com delancey was asked whether he'll he'll he thinks he'll get a shot at reprising his character and he said well i'm supposed to be immortal <laughs> so he could do it and then there he was he showed up in lower decks which was awesome yep so who knows? He might show up again. I think they'll probably have him show up again somewhere. Well, I would not be surprised, but I do do like him. He's great. Uh, like I said, my favorite character in TNG. And I even broke down and tried to watch some um, Voyager when he was on it. But I just, I oh. I, I can't get into to, to Kate Mulgrew at all. Oh. So, but I tried, you know. Yeah, I don't think he was as well written as a character in Voyager mm-hmm. as he was in TNG. And and yeah, it really depends on who he has to play off of. And I don't think the ensemble served him as well mm-hmm. in Voyager as in TNG. Yeah. Uh, but he was great in Lower Decks. <laughs> <laughs> yes, he was. Yep. So now, friends, we're going to look at some Etsy stuff, which we haven't looked at in a while. Yay. And I... I found some pretty good things. So I've I've sent you, my co-host, the link uh, for all of these things. So let's go through them one by one, and I will do my best to describe them. Some of these are art. A lot of these are Kirk, not Kirk, <laughs> as you might expect. And some are just uh, sort of head scratchers. So the very first one is uh, a Star Trek canvas wall art print. 
and this is a wall art print entitled Star Trek TV 1966 and it's not a photograph it's a painting I'm not quite sure mm -hmm. but it's very weird so it's the cast on the bridge but it's not any photograph of the bridge that you've ever seen and in fact most of these pictures or images i will say of the bridge crew are taken from publicity photographs mm -hmm. that were widely spaced and then sort of mashed together right like so uhura that, that yeah. is such an obvious shot we've seen a million times yeah and the mccoy one as well and so it's Kirk, Spock, McCoy sort of in front, leaning on one of the rails of the bridge, and then the rest of the bridge crew, Uhura, um, Chekhov, Scotty, and Sulu standing behind the console. But I was looking at this and I'm like, where is Kirk supposed to be on the bridge exactly? It, it looks like he's about to jump into the view screen, right? Yeah, where yeah. The view screen would be. Yeah, you're right. Why are they all standing there? <clears throat> I don't know. Maybe you're supposed to stay behind that line, Jim. I, I, I think they are. <laughs> and he also, he's in sort of Kirk action mode. Mm -hmm. like he's about to jump and do something. And if he jumps, he's going to hit his head on the view screen, yes. which would be a bad outcome. Yeah, mess up his um, hair. It would definitely mess up his hair. So uh, I, I'm trying to figure out what size this is, and it doesn't really seem to say, but I'm not sure I would want this Oh, you can select a size. Oh. 18 by 12 is the smallest and 48 by 32 is the biggest that's pretty big mm -hmm. okay well kudos to the artist i guess for doing this and the kirk pretty much looks like kirk mm -hmm. uh, but there it's it's just a little jarring to have all those things juxtap juxtaposed like photographs and then i guess things and then there's also lens flare over sulu's shoulder for no reason right and there's also the fact that in you really i really anyway notice it in the the big three is that the light that is shining on them is coming from different directions depending on who the character is right and there is quite a lot of light in the lower left hand corner mm -hmm. where kirk's elbow is yep. which leads me to believe that something on the bridge is on fire which would be bad that could be bad yeah okay okay Next one. This one is just silly. It's a William Shatner magnet. Yeah. And it's him doing the ah! con thing. <laughs> but someone has taken a like a picture yes. of him going con and they cut it out with little scissors, but it's <laughs> like they cut off most of his hair. I know. <laughs> it's so weird. He's upset about oh. con, he's upset about his hair. It is, and he's just like looking out into space somewhere. But yeah, so imagine Kirk making the con face, and the cut line is just below his chin, mm -hmm. just around his ear, and then most of his hair is cut off. Yeah, <laughs> five fifty. <laughs> if, if you want one. Okay. okay. There's only five Next. available. Okay. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> sure, there are. Next, we have. This is very luxurious. Yeah. Custom. Captain Kirk, James C. Kirk, classic Star Trek, William Shatner, soft gold velvet indoor throw pillow. Okay, I hate velvet furniture and its pillows. <laughs> and this sort of crushed gold thing is about the worst of it. <laughs> and so now we have crushed gold Kirk. We do. This is another media conquered, I think. Uh, yes, crushed gold pillow. Definitely. Yeah. 
this would not be out of place at the San Francisco Oasis, I have to say. Really? <laughs> it is so over the top. And I spent some time trying to figure out how they did this. Mm -hmm. Like, it's it's gold-crushed velvet in a pillow form, but it's a very um, common image of Captain Kirk taken from mm -hmm. one of the publicity photos. And is it silk-screened on there? That's I what I tell. was wondering about. I don't know. I don't know how it's there, but it definitely is a thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a thing. Uh, very soft and smooth. The pillowcases are constructed of thick, velvety material that just may be the softest you've ever felt. They also include a hidden zipper close to closure to guarantee an even more premium feel because pillows with zippers have an even more premium feel, that's for that sure. That is true. It's a simple and elegant design that pops into the certain light of the room, if you want. If you want. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, yep. That's a conquered. that's a Kirk, not Kirk. Also, media media <laughs> conquered. Okay. Now the next one is actually, to me, so funny, and I'll tell you the story in case you don't know behind <laughs> the title of this. It's called William Shatner Three Wolf Moon Rocket Man Original Poster. Do you know about Three Wolf Moon? No. Okay. This was an internet meme that happened, I don't know, three or four years ago. Someone had created, and then another, I think Will Wheaton, in fact, found it on Amazon, these t-shirts that you can buy uh -huh. that were literally called Three Wolf Moon, and it looked like this picture. So up in the right-hand corner was a full moon, and then along the left were three different wolves that were howling at the moon, mm -hmm. and it didn't have any connection to anything. It was just like, if you like wolves here's a nice t-shirt that's got these pictures of wolves. And it did look like something you'd see on the side of a van, uh -huh. you know, or a blacklight poster. And then it became a meme where it was, you know, three something moon. And now it's turned into William Shatner format where it's a full moon and then three images of him from the Rocket Man video mm -hmm. where he's either smoking or emoting <laughs> and wearing that ridiculous floppy bow tie yes. that goes with it. And, I, and it's black and white, which I really like. And it's just, I think it's very funny. I think it's a great mashup of yes, <laughs> weird things and uh, William Shatner. Another media conquered, because who else would you do this that for? That is true. Oh, my God. <laughs> so that one's good. Um, now, the next one is a thing that I would almost even want, because it's so cute. Okay, wait. It's opening. It's opening. Aww. See, it's cute, right? It's a Captain Kirk <sighs> Trouble with Tribbles Star Trek snow globe. Right, but it's so, not snow. It's it's Tribbles. Teeny weeny little Tribbles. It's not, so it's a globe with a picture of Kirk sitting in the pile of Tribbles from the episode. Mm -hmm. And there's no water in it or anything. It's just filled with air and little tiny Tribbles. And then you could pick it up and shake it. And all the Tribbles would be bouncing around the inside. And stand... Yes. Is green with gold rickrack, so it's like yes. the end of his shirt sleeve. Yeah, oh, I love it. It's that so is, cute. Oh my god! It's like the most adorable thing that I've seen. I love the fact if you go down to the description. Uh, wait, if you go to the fourth image. Oh yes, see... <laughs> there's a little Kirk uh, doll standing next to him, so holding, a <laughs> holding a triple, holding a triple. 
It's very good. Okay, go to the description. Yes. All right. It says, this Captain Kirk Star Trek's triple snow globe is a double-sided color cutout of Captain James T. Kirk wearing a wry smile. As opposed to a whole wheat smile? (laughs) And wry is spelled R-Y-E. Yes. So, yes. It's a caraway seed smile. Yes. (laughs) It goes with his lion eyes. It does. There is no liquid in this four-inch shatterproof plastic globe. Some of the tribbles are stationary on the base, but most fuzzballs are free-floating, which made me think, wow, wouldn't it be good if it had a little anti-grav thing or a little, like, (laughs) air pump in the middle that you could blow them up? That's what I was thinking, a little air, you know, just poof, and there they go. Oh, my God, that's so cute. I love it. So this is uh, 1895, and I would definitely recommend buying one if you like this sort of thing. Really? It's very, very cute. Okay. Now, the next one is cool with a caveat. Okay. Life-size cardboard, it says, as I click through. Yes. (gasps) yes. Oh! So, life-size cutout of Captain Kirk as Mirror Kirk. Yes. So, at first, I was like, this is cool. But then I looked at it more. Uh It's not from the episode. It's like a drawing. Uh Uh-huh. And it doesn't, if you look at his face close up, it kind of doesn't look like him as much as you'd really want it to look like him. His hair looks pasted on. And the and the detail in the uniform isn't quite where it should be. It's, and those boots are all wrong. The boots are wrong. They're just wrong. But it's still really good. <laughs> it's good, but it could be better. And it just made me look at it and be like, okay, if you're going to go to the trouble to make one of these things and charge $55 for mm-hmm. it, why not use an actual image from the episode, which I think they could easily have found. So it was good, but it, it made me disappointed mm. that it wasn't better. It's 75 inches tall by 28 inches wide, and it has a little easel affixed to the back, right. so you could actually make him stand up. But yeah, the boots are wrong. They're like new Kirk boots. They, yeah. They're, just, they're not good. Isn't 75 inches tall? That's so, a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty big. It's a pretty big one. Yeah. And he's got one fist clenched, like he's going to punch somebody. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so, you know, tempting, but if it, if it's not true to the episode, I, I can't allow it. Yeah, it, it would be so, so, so disappointing if you got it home and when you see it 75 inches tall. Because the things you're bringing up, yeah, when I really, really stare yeah. at it and everything, I can see, but it wasn't what I noticed first. But if you notice them right away, then it's like, oh. You know. Yeah, exactly. Well, so, it's you... like the little ceramic Kirk you got me, who's sitting mm-hmm. in his, his chair and all. I mean, I adore that, and I think it's perfect. I've seen pictures of the bigger one that's like twice that size, or maybe two and a half times that size. It's not nearly as nice. Yeah. I mean, I think this is the problem with us having looked at so much Trek crap over the <laughs> There's years. There's a problem now, with that. <laughs> we're we're like we're like so picky and so such connoisseurs of this stuff. You're you know you look at it and you're like, oh, that's not right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? That's right. Yes. <sighs> so anyway, it's available if you have fifty five dollars to spend on a cardboard stand up Kirk. 
supposedly from the mirror universe that sort of looks like what he's supposed to look like. Well, you know what? Um, I have read a couple books and watched a couple movies about um, art forgery. Which is very interesting to me, anyway, and how the, the, you know, it's a nobody knows anything thing. Because the (laughs) the experts don't know. You know, they're sure it's a Rothko, you know, and it's not. And that's what Kirk Not Kirk is. Mm -hmm. That is the connoisseur's code. Yeah. For don't be fooled by this. Yeah. (laughs) And this is a really good one that as the connoisseurs, we'd be up there with our jeweler's glass. Definitely. Definitely. You you know, picking it out, going, no, the the hair never looks like that. It never looks like that. Never looks like that. And... And the sash is wrong. There's something about the sash that's not right. Right, because the sash it's, didn't go all the way down on his hip, which is what it looks like. It's the yeah. shirt that was cut like that. That's right. This led me to wonder whether this particular uh, artistic representation was based off of, like, one of the action figures that they've made since, mm. you know? Like, the body is from an action figure, and then they sort of did an artistic rendition of his face and stuck it on top of there. This is possible. I'm going to have to start looking to see if I could find an action figure where the body and the boots look like they do. Um, I think that's a good job for you, my fellow connoisseur. <laughs> we must hunt down all the fraudulent Got to find it. Got to find the truth. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now, this last item baffled me, and I'm still kind of uh, baffled, but I think I have a possible answer. And maybe you know more about this than I do. Probably not. Okay. Well, I think actually Wildcat might know more about this than either you or okay. I do. So I see this. This turned up in it. I just searched for Shatner on Etsy. Uh-huh. And it's a picture of a bunch of ribbons from a horse show. Right. That you could use as watch fobs. And it says on the side, Saddlebred Shatner Class Horse Show Ribbon Key Backpack Purse Fob. And I thought, Shatner class? What does that mean? Well, maybe it's Shatner and then it's class horse show ribbon because the ribbons are different colors. So in the description, it has a description of what these things are. These are old ribbons, it says. The fobs in this listing are from American Saddlebred William Shatner Country Pleasure Classes does that mean (laughs) yeah that's what i said i was like what i don't get it and if you look at the the actual items they don't actually say shatner on them that i can see it says saddlebred and they're they're just like your standard horse show ribbons that you get and they do look kind of old like they have some wear to them so okay then i started looking and i found this article um which is the next item in the list of links that I sent to you uh-huh. from a website called horseyhooves.com, <laughs> yes. which I absolutely love. Is that like Bodie McBoat face? <laughs> I think it is. It's so funny. This article was published in December of 2020, and it was updated in January of 2021. And it says, 10 facts that show William Shatner is a true horse lover. And there's a nice picture of him sitting on a horse. Um and it goes through some stuff that we knew. He's won championships. Mm-hmm. He got a Lifetime Achievement Award. We knew that because he talked about it in an interview, I believe. Um, and then item number three, William Shatner has a horse show class named after him. <gasps> so they've created something. Oh, my God. Another media conquered. 
Yeah, it's a creation of saddle and bridle Shatner Western pleasure final. So you can win a ribbon that's named after him in these finals. And they're held annually at the St. Louis National Charity Horse Show. The winner of the prestigious national final is awarded the William Shatner Perpetual Trophy. It's a perpetual (laughs) trophy. It's a perpetual trophy. Isn't that amazing? Yes. I was just kind of gobsmacked about that they actually went and named a class and a trophy after him for all that he's done which is great i think it's awesome but that's just wild okay and the thing is um there's several pictures and somewhere in that Mm -hmm. description it says these are genuine old ribbons it would be really nice if like they all say like side one and side two but um Mm -hmm. As far as I can tell, they do not say the year. They don't. And they don't say William Shatner Country Pleasure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So. I I don't know how you'd know. Like, is there some kind of provenance for these things where they give you a piece of paper that says this is where they came from? I don't know. Wow. Uh, So crazy, huh? William Shatner Perpetual Trophy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So we've learned something. And so listeners out there, Wildcat included, and and some of our other, I think um, Sherry also knows quite a bit about Mm -hmm. Bill and his horses. If you guys have more information on this, I would love to know more. Yes. Like, when did it happen? And how long have they been doing it? And does he actually go there to judge? Or Or did he at some point? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I would like to know. Well, if if you go over on the right side where the description was and everything, above the description, there's a pink ribbon. Do you see that? Oh, when yes. you click it, it's really quite nice. It's not a Shatner one or whatever. It has yeah. no words. It's, you know, a little painting of two riders on horseback, and it's it's yeah. really nice. That is nice. I guess this person... This is their business. They they collect they these. Co- collect they collect them and they sell them on Etsy, which seems a reasonable sort of thing. How much are they asking? Ten bucks. Ten for, bucks for a ribbon. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you you know go down the ones down the side, there are quite a few of these that are you know not the Shatner ones, but are very attractive. Yeah. Well, that's incredible. Yeah. So that was my big discovery for the week. Was, <sighs> finding out that bill had a thing named after him i would say that is your big discovery for the week yeah cool all right well uh i got one more thing to talk about and i'll try to keep it fairly brief so uh as i've mentioned on this show i listened to a podcast called 372 pages will never get back yes which is by two of the guys from Rift Tracks, Mike Nelson and Connor Lestoka, and they talk about bad books, books that they don't think they'll like. <laughs> and the very first book in the series that they did was a, a book called Ready Player One by Ernest Cline. Mm-hmm. And that's where the name came from because it was 372 pages. Oh my God, and okay. The, the most recent book they've done was Ready Player Two, also by Ernest Cline. And so um, they hated both of these books. I didn't read the books, and I don't think I would based on their description of it. It sounds bad. But it turned out that the author, Ernest Klein, wrote a movie called Fanboys, which was filmed in 2006 and finally released in 2009. There was a lot of post-production foo-for-all well, about it. I remember it. hearing about that movie. Yeah. So 
they decided as part of their um, special thing for Patreon people that they would watch the movie online like a 2-7 kind of thing and sort of do some snarky commentary like Rift Tracks as they were watching it. And they did this on Friday night and I watched it. So let me say it's a terrible movie, first of all. It's really bad. Here's the plot. It's about some Star Wars fans who in the year 1999, I think, decide that they're going to drive across the country to Skywalker Ranch in California to sneak in and see the uh, the movie that was coming out, which was then the first movie of the pre-trilogy, you know, the right. whatever the, what's called Phantom Menace, I think, episode one. I've either seen this movie or heard a lot about it because okay. this is all familiar to me anyway. So continue, please. They're doing this because one of the friend group has cancer and he's not going to live long enough to see it in theaters. Mm -hmm. So they decide they're going to do this for him. And it's essentially a road movie in a band where they drive across the country and they have adventures and they eventually get there. Um, Spoilers. They get there to Skywalker Ranch. Hijinks ensue. And the friend who has cancer is allowed to watch the movie. So his dying wish is fulfilled and eventually he dies. So... It's not a good movie. It has a lot of terrible, terrible dated jokes, including a scene where their car, their van breaks down mm-hmm. and they have to walk and they see a bar and they think, oh, thank God, we'll finally get some help there in the middle of nowhere. And they walk in and it's full of bikers and they try to act all tough. And it turns out that it's actually a gay bar. Ooh. Yeah. And instead of being called the cantina, like mm-hmm. it is in Star Wars, Star Wars, it's called the Mantina. Oh my God. And then as like, there's this constant threat of sexual assault, which thank God doesn't happen. Really? But they're forced to get up on stage and do a strip act for the biker guys who are there uh-huh. and it's played for laughs, but oh my God, it's so cringy and awful. And it's, there's a lot of stuff like that. They make a pit stop at Riverside, Iowa. I don't know how they've rationalized driving from Ohio to California and making a pit stop in (laughs) Iowa. Yeah. Because that's not on the map that way. And they get into a scrap with a bunch of Star Trek fans. Which is cringy and it's it's a lot of stuff like that. Anyway, um, it's a bad movie. I wouldn't recommend watching it. But for reasons I still don't really understand, because Ernest Klein was not a big name writer, um... I will say Kevin Spacey is one of the producers and it was then produced by the Weinstein company, which is no more essentially. It is filled with big name cameos. So um, we, we were sitting there watching it like, Oh my God. So um, Seth Rogen is in it before he became really famous. Mm -hmm. He plays multiple characters. Wow. Um, Yeah. Um, Billy D Williams is in it playing a a judge. Mm Mm-hmm. Carrie Fisher is in it playing a doctor. I mean, you know, all these Star Wars callbacks. There are a number of people who are comedians now who are are much more well-known than they were back then. But you look at it and you're like, oh, I know that guy and I know that guy and I know that person. Who directed this? Some guy. Okay. (laughs) I don't know. Not a name who we would go, oh, well, he's obviously friends with all these people. Okay. No, 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 not at all. And then, okay, part of the plot is... They have to go to Las Vegas to get uh, 
information on how to break into Skywalker Ranch. Oh. And they're supposed to meet their special contact who, you know, this person is going to get them whatever they need. And so they go and it's in a casino and they're kind of walking through this shadowy casino and someone steps out of the shadows. And who do you think it is? Um, Han Solo, Harrison Ford. No, no. Who? It's not. I don't, I don't know. William Shatner. It's William Shatner. No way. <laughs> and I sat there screaming at the television going, Bill, Bill, what are you doing? He's in it for all of two minutes. Uh-huh. And he's very good in his two minutes. Clearly, it took him one take, maybe two <laughs> takes to say the thing that he needed to say. Say the thing, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then he doesn't show up in the rest of it. But he's in this fucking movie. Oh, my God. I wonder if it's listed on IMDb in his credits. <laughs> so I spent a good 45 minutes Googling, trying to figure out how the hell he showed up in this movie. Because the movie did not have a big budget. And most of the people who showed up in the movie, these big name stars, did it as favors to someone Kevin Spacey? I don't know. But they weren't paid. Kevin Smith is in it, and he didn't get paid. Seth Rogen didn't get paid, apparently. And I can't understand how Bill was in it. He would never have done something like this for free in 2006, right? That was right in the middle of Boston Legal and all the other things that he was doing. How did they manage to afford him? And you looked what at the he... whole list of producers, executive producers, everything. I don't get it. Yeah, I, I just wow. don't get it. It's the weirdest thing. So Okay, I we've got a question a for the next time we meet Bill. What the yeah. fuck were yeah. you doing in Fanboys? <laughs> what were you thinking? I mean, was it because <laughs> Carrie Fisher did it? You know, like, I know oh. that they were friends. Maybe she called him up and she was like, hey, look, I'm doing this as a favor to somebody. Come on, Bill. It'll be fun. They're not in any scenes together, to be right, clear. Right, But maybe she talked him into it? I don't know. Huh. It's the weirdest thing. Wow. So that was my, my big um, screaming discovery on Friday night. And I, I need to find out why he was in this movie. And yeah, that's a good question to ask him if he even remembers being in it. Yeah. I mean, it may have been wiped from his memory because it was clearly about two hours worth of shooting. Yeah. <laughs> well, they said they'd come over and, you know, shoot it by my pool. And I said, fine. Yeah. And they printed it on cue cards. I didn't even have to learn it. Um. That's right. His line that that it is he is good. It's a funny line. Okay. Um, he is giving them the key card to get into Skywalker Ranch, uh -huh. and they're all freaking out over it. It's like, oh my god, it's William Shatner! And how did you get this? And he says, I'm William Shatner. I can score anything. I remember this. I I've seen this movie. You, have you seen it? Yeah. Really? yeah. Oh my god. <sighs> Bill, what are you doing? What were you thinking? Why? Why were you in this stupid fucking movie? Um, hmm. Well, the writers are Ernest Klein and Adam F. Goldberg. Yeah, I don't know who he is, although uh, the Riff Tracks guys seem to recognize his name. My God, Kristen Bell is in this? Yes, Kristen Bell is the romantic lead, yes, with, with very, like, black dyed hair. Uh-huh. She's the only woman, really. There's a terrible, terrible subplot where the the geeky computer friend in the friend group is having an online relationship with a woman, and they drive to meet her, and it turns out she's 10 years old. Uh-huh. 
or 12 maybe <laughs> and there's very heavily implied dialogue that they did cyber sex it's like oh gross that is so not funny that is so not a joke that is so not anything how could you put that in a movie it's so awful and ugh huh okay well i just looked at the list on imdb of uh producers executive producers all those things and i'm not seeing anything that jumps out at me but it's also quite possible, because why would anyone be named D. Scott Lumpkin, um, <laughs> that everybody other than Kevin Spacey made up a fake name to do this? Um, that is potentially possible. I don't know. It is a mystery, but I'm going to get to the bottom of I it. Know you will. I know you will. I know you will. So... Um, if you want to see that scene of Bill mm-hmm. in Fanboys, it's on YouTube. Okay. You can watch it. Like I said, it's about two minutes, if that. And he's very good in his scene. You don't need to know anything about the rest of the movie to enjoy him doing his thing. And, uh, yeah, don't watch the movie. Just don't. <laughs> okay, Danny don't McBride is in this. Jeez. A lot of people are in it. I mean, you look at the oh, cast. Oh, well, you look at like, the list okay. of uncredited, and it's, Wow. <laughs> Craig yeah. Robinson was a security guard in this. Will Ford. Yeah. Peter yeah. Reiner. Jeez. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's all of the it's like the Judd Apatow crowd, right? <laughs> yes. That, that they brought Jason forward. Jason Mewes, and Kevin Smith, yes. Gary Fisher. Wow. The the Trek stuff that's in it is very. Like I get the feeling that whoever wrote the Trek stuff uh-huh. doesn't know anything about Star Trek. Unfortunately, you know? yeah. Yeah, um, and I, I read that they were unable to secure permission from Paramount at the time to actually reference any Trek stuff. So when they're in Riverside and there's a group of Trekkies there, they're not wearing proper Trek uniforms because they couldn't get them. Oh. And, yeah, and, and there's other stuff like that where it, it's like they, they say Star Trek, but it's not mm-hmm. actually star trek stuff which i think undercuts it and also they're portraying the rivalry between star trek people and star wars people as this sort of thing that you get into a fist fight about which has never been my experience right I mean, right yeah it, it's more like casual contempt for each other more than anything else it's not the kind of thing you'd fight about right huh well yeah so there you go that's my review of Fanboys. Don't watch Don't it. Don't watch it. <laughs> okay, well, thank you for that. Yeah, so I think that's going to wrap up our show. We have gone on for a while, but it's it's been a bit. There was a lot of real life happening Hey, there. did you see who Billy D. Williams is playing? It's a judge, but his name is yes. Judge, judge Reinhold. Reinhold. <laughs> yes, I know. Okay. Another another hilarious it joke. It is. Yeah, it's so funny. So listen, everyone, Chatmoy, do your things, get yourself a viewing schedule together, yes. make sure you do something fun on the two birthdays. Yes, do let us know what your chat, what your Chatmoy celebration consists of. Yes, and we'll we'll have another show, I think, probably smack in the middle of Chatmoy. Probably, that be yeah. Good, yeah. And we'll try to organize another watch along. You know, we wanted to watch <sighs> together the Christopher Plummer interview that Bill had done, which we talked about on the show mm-hmm. when we watched it. It is not available anywhere. You just cannot get it. Not even on the dark web can you get um, it. It is unavailable. That is so sad because 
It would have been the perfect tribute, I think. I think so, too. And, um, yeah, losing Christopher Plummer, you know, I mean, if you watch movies and things, you've seen him in a lot of stuff. He's always excellent. He's great. And, uh, and yeah. It's such a delightful interview to hear the two oh, of them. Oh, I know. It was definitely interview. Isabella's. <laughs> yes. See, I even know so the good. name of that sleaze hotel because I loved the interview so much. Oh, it was boy. so good. Well, we're going to have to keep looking because if we ever find that, that would make such a wonderful watch along. It would be great. Yeah. And there are some other things that I, I was looking through my hard drive and I found some uh, TV things that Bill had been in that I don't think we've ever watched together. Ooh. And I don't think I've seen it. Like, there's an episode of Marcus Welby that Bill was on, and I'd kind of like to see how bad that well, is. Yeah, so that I don't could think I've seen that one. Yeah. So we'll try to set up some viewing things in the, the not-too-distant future. Okay. Oh, so friends, we hope you're all well. We hope that you're getting vaccinated as you are able to get vaccinated and, you know, hopefully we'll we'll make it through this and things will be better. Maybe by the time July rolls around and Bill does his Ticonderoga thing. Maybe so. And, you know, keep your spirits up, dive into some fanfic or whatever it is that takes you out of the now and into the whatever. Yeah, watch some Star Trek. It's always, always. good for that. Always, always good. <laughs> yes. yeah. All right. So until next time, friends, live long and potluck. <laughs>